So we'll see how far we get today. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. We're in a really amazing section of scripture here. Luke chapter 2 at the end. Verse 39 says, And when they performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. <laughs> and when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God. And man, this is the word of the Lord. This is just flat crazy here. This is absolutely flat crazy. And I don't even know how to unpack this fully for you. So we'll see how far we get. But when I was a kid, see, I put a chair up here. This is going to be nice. When I was a kid, I learned my shapes. I learned squares, rectangles, circles, triangles. And one day in early elementary school, my dad said to me, well, set it up. I struggled with a concept in school. A square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. And I said, Dad, I don't get it. He sat under the table, and he took a pad, and he, he drew a rectangle and a square, and he kept telling me, Jonathan, look. A square, and he draw the shape, is a rectangle. But a rectangle, he draw the shape, is, a, is not a square. And I'd be like, I don't get it. So he said, listen, Jonathan, look at the paper. A square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. I'm like, Dad, I get the rectangle part. But what do you mean a square? Is, it makes no sense. And it went on for probably 35 minutes. And finally, he got tired of me. I went outside with a dog, and that was it. Well, a couple days later, I come home from school. I'm all excited. My dad walks in. Dad, I got it. See, a square is a rectangle because they have four sides and four right angles, and opposite sides are the same. But a rectangle is not a square because it doesn't have four equal sides. Dad, why didn't you tell me that? And he looked at me and said, what are you? And he walked away. What does this have to do with anything? Well. Just when you think you know your shapes, boom, geometry messes with your head. Just when you think you know Jesus, bam, the Bible messes with your head. Look at verse 40. The child grew, became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Jesus grew. He became strong. And the favor of God was upon him. Jesus grew. I mean, just chew on that for a minute. He grew. He became strong. He got stronger. 
He was filled with the knowledge of God. Jesus learned things. Is it just me, guys? Is this crazy? Jesus, fully, truly God, fully, truly man. A man just like we are men, mankind. When you think you know Jesus, you got to open the box a little more because Jesus is so much grander, wiser, stronger, and more amazing than you can comprehend. Jesus grew. This baby became a man, growing in strength. But stop and think about this. How strong was Jesus? How much weight could he bench press? Um, Think about it. I want to get an answer out of you. How much weight do you think Jesus could bench press? Anyone here ever lift weights? Anyone here ever bench press 315 pounds? It's a lot of weight, I'll tell you that. When you do it, it's impressive. Then the offensive line walks into the gym, and they start doing 405. And then, true story, you belong to a Gold's Gym in Yonkers, New York, and a guy named Lou Ferrigno works out there. And he can move more weight than that. But if Jesus Christ walked in, looking ordinary, nothing spectacular, laid down on a bench, what could he bench? Listen to me. Sin did not affect him. He was the strongest human being who ever lived. His muscularity was perfect. He would whoop your butt in a fight, but he would not fight you because he was without sin. How smart was Jesus? My child is an honor roll student. Blech. My, my child created the world. My child is filled with the knowledge of God. But this is a perfect man. Why does that matter? Because when we're justified, it's not that God sees us just as if I'd never sinned. It's that God sees us positively righteous as if we lived the very life Jesus lived. You see in two, he goes from infant to child to boy. He's growing. He goes to man. And at no stage in his life did he ever sin. And why that's important is because we are required to live a perfect life before God. We don't just need our sin forgiven. We need perfection achieved. And Jesus achieved perfection. Amen? Amen. This is also a God, Hebrews 4, who is tempted in every way we are tempted, yet without sin. He understands everything you go through. he's, He's been there, done that, won that, though. I mean, he grew. How does God grow? Because he's a man, too. He became strong. I mean, Jesus was born. He didn't walk around like this. Hello, my name is Jesus. No, he had to learn to speak. He had to learn to walk. He grew strong. But look at this one. Filled with Wisdom. At age 12, where we are, he is perfectly filled with the wisdom of God. He knows everything rightly. 
He has the mind of Christ fully. Do you see who we're dealing with here? We have testimony up to this point. Who is Jesus? He is God. And now we have the testimony coming from Jesus himself that he is God. I mean, I'm not even into the meat of this yet, but do you see what's going on here? He is God. I'm going to jump ahead and then maybe come back. Look at verse 49. They're looking for Jesus. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be where? Is that an impressive verse for you or not really? Be honest. But do you really understand what's going on there? Where is Jesus? Loaded question. Where's Jesus? Wrong. More importantly, he's in the temple, but more importantly, where does he say he is? Where? Specifically, what pronoun does he use? Look in the Old Testament up to that point and show me one example of someone who calls God my father. I'll wait. It's never been said before, which is why, verse 50, Mary didn't understand this. You want me to mess with your heads a little bit more? I'll put my microphone on. That way people who are sick can listen to this too. There we go. If you go, let me get my text right. Oh, where do we want to do this? Go to John 5. I'm going to blow your mind. Someone grab some paper towels. Come on, guys. I got a cold. You got you to strengthen me up in this. John 5. You go to verse 17. I'm betting you never saw this. I never saw this before either. And it says, so this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father, you see that, my father, is working until now and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Look up, look up, look up. Why? Why were they seeking to kill him? Don't cheat and look at the Bible yet. Because what? Hmm, go ahead, Renee's on You can look back now. This is why they were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. When Jesus refers to God as my father, we read of Jesus as the son of God. It's not talking about Jesus being born of God. Jesus has no beginning. It's talking about Jesus being the same essence and nature of God. Son, in Hebrew, huios, doesn't mean son like we use it in English. It doesn't mean in here, and Mary calls him son. The word is technon. It means child. Huios, H-U-I-O-U-S, transliterated into the English. Totally different word. When Jesus is a huios theos, son of God, what it's saying is he and God are one. Same essence, same kind, same nature. Someone say, Pastor, where do you make up this nonsense? I don't know, it makes for a good sermon. <laughs> Acts 4.36, remember Barnabas? Son of what? Encouragement. Mom and dad named encouragement? Nope. No, huios encouragement. Mark 3.17, James and John were the sons of what? Thunder. thunder. Mom and dad named thunder? No, huios thunder. 
Matthew 23, 15, referring to people as sons of hell. Were they born of demons? No. Huios, hell. Luke 20, 36, believers are sons of the resurrection. Huios, resurrection. Essence, kind, it's what huios means. When Jesus says, my father's house, the reason no one got it is because he said, my father. The father and I are one. His mom knew who he was. She knew how he was born. She heard the prophecy of John through Elizabeth. She spoke to Gabriel. She knew this was Messiah. She knew this was God incarnate. He's 12 years old. Never made a mistake in his life. But now he's not making sense. Jesus, why didn't you come with us? He's saying, Mom, we're starting a transition process. You see, I'm your son. But it is to my true Father who I must answer and obey. Jesus says, I was in my Father's house. Imagine your child looking at you. Kim, imagine Dylan looking at you and go, Mom, I'm God. You say, she'd go, get to your room and clean it, Yahweh. Jesus says, I am God. He grew. He became strong. He's filled with wisdom. And then people say to me, you show me in the Bible where Jesus says he's God. Well, I just showed you one. This is just flat, crazy stuff. Do you, we're hearing the testimony of Zechariah, Elizabeth, Gabriel, angel to the shepherds, Mary, Joseph, Simeon, Anna. They all say this is God. This is Messiah. Now Luke says, just so you understand, just so you don't think they were putting something on Jesus that wasn't true, let's ask Jesus who he thinks he is. And they go to the temple at age 12, and I'll talk about that in a minute. And Jesus says, Mom, I had to be in the temple because I am God. I am not technon theo, not, not born of in the sense of a child of God by birth. He's saying, though there is an element of that in his sinless state, he was born of the Holy Spirit. Huios theos. He is of the same essence, kind, and nature of, as God. Is this crazy talk or what? Now, put yourself in Mary's shoes. Every year they go to Passover for, this, for the Sabbath. That makes no sense. Every year they go to Jerusalem for Passover. Three feasts. Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. You didn't know that Pentecost wasn't that uh, Acts 2 only thing, right? It's a Jewish feast. First fruits are harvest. And according to the Old Testament, men had to go to the temple three times a year for the feast. Well, the dispersion custom came in, and it became custom to go once a year for the men to Jerusalem for Passover. Well, Mary met, went with Joseph, not required, but a sign of devotion. And imagine, sanctified imagination, Jesus, full of wisdom, watching 250,000 lambs slaughtered, eating the Passover meal with his parents, asking his dad as the firstborn son in the family, why is this night different from all other nights? He would ask his dad, because that's what you did. And you know, Joseph would be like, son, you really want me to explain this to you? He wouldn't say that. But imagine Jesus eating the lamb, knowing that he is the lamb. What would be going through his very human, very divine mind? 
Can you, I mean, just think about that for a minute. He rejected by his people, yet the Lamb of God in Jerusalem. Well, he goes to the temple because all the, the rabbis would come in from all over the world, Roman Empire, Africa, they'd come in for Passover. And they'd teach and they'd sit in very much like a real conversation style, question and answer format. And Jesus was asking them questions. You won't get messed up. You have Yahweh ask you Bible questions. So I was wondering, how do you interpret Exodus 11, 2 through 17? I wrote it. He didn't say that. And they're all messed up because they're, they're listening to his questions, and it does say they're listening to his answers, which is a little interesting, but we won't dig into that too much. And they were amazed, it tells me in verse 47. Well, then Mary goes home, and they get a day away, and they realize Jesus isn't with them. Why? They didn't drive minivans. They went in caravans. Women in front. Amanda, I can't speak today. Kids in front, women in the middle, men in the back. Well, they probably thought Jesus was there, or Jesus was there. They had some confusion. They go a day's journey. They lay down for bed. There's no Jesus. 25 miles. You got to wait for the night to be over. You go back the next day, day two, day three. You look for him, and they find him in the temple. And Mary is fired up. Boy! You think I'm kidding. Look at this. You ever lose a kid? I mean, I, I lost one in a grocery store. Oh, just that feeling in the pit of your stomach, right? You get all this tunnel vision going on. You're ready to, like, throw people to the side. I remember running around looking for Cameron. Where, where, where is And then you find him, and you're not happy with the kid. What were you thinking? Like, what were you thinking? You're supposed to watch me. Well, Mary lost Messiah. She lost, she lost God incarnate. And she finds him. She says, son, technon, not huios, Technon, why have you treated us so? Behold! She's saying, boy, you've done nothing wrong your whole life. What has gotten into you? Mary's freaking out. She's gone three days looking for her boy. And Jesus, fully respectfully, says, why were you looking for me? Like, oh boy, you're going to get smacked. Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I am God? And they didn't understand the saying that he spoke to them. The great teachers were amazed. Hmm. Mary was astonished because they knew, Mary knew her shapes. She knew the shape of Messiah. But Mary didn't understand that Messiah was fully God, that he and the Father were one. Kind of say it like this if you want to mess with your heads theologically. Jesus is truly God, but not fully God. I'm not going to go there with you. We'll say that for Sunday school. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is fully and truly God, but not fully God because it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. See what I'm doing to you? A square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. I'm just stirring it up theologically. 
Well, Mary didn't understand this. Mary, was Mary saved at this point in time? Loaded question, answers yes. Was Mary saved at this time? Yes. How do we know that? It says she was righteous. My friends, listen to me, and we're going to go through chapters 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, all the way to the end of Luke. And what you will come to find, for those of you who do not yet know Jesus in a saving way, he is so much bigger, grander, kinder, loving, holy, and just than you can fully comprehend. But he is gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love, willing to forgive anyone who turns to him no matter what. But for those of you who know Jesus in a saving way, can I let you in on a little secret? You have no idea fully who God is. He is so much bigger. He is so much grander. He is so much wiser. He is so much stronger. He is so much more loving. He is so much more holy. He is so much more powerful than you can wrap your mind around. But the process of growing in our faith allows us little by little to see Jesus more clearly for who he truly is. Now I'm ready to preach the sermon because we're set up to go into Luke 3. But here's what I want you to take. It says, Mary didn't understand it, but Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. I love that. He was submissive to them. Why? He's keeping the commandments. Honor your father and your mother. He's keeping the commandments for your sake and my sake until he's 30 years old. The only words recorded that Jesus ever spoke from birth to age 30. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know I was in my father's house? A.K.A. Hey, Ma! I'm God. The Father and I are one. Did Jesus know that he was God? Yeah. Did Jesus understand why he came? Yes. Full of the wisdom of God. Did Mary grasp it yet? No. But she was saved. But Mary treasured these things up in her heart. And Mary grew in faith, as you'll see. My friends, why were you saved? Romans 8, 28. What, what is this good that God uses all things for? God uses all things for the good of those who love him, right? That means he'll do what you want so you can have your best life now. That's true. Do you know what it is? To make you look like Jesus. Do you know who Jesus lived like? God. And do you know who you're being conformed to live like? Don't go too far with this, you'll screw it up. But you are being conformed to live like Jesus because positionally, you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Practically speaking, you are beginning to live in the righteousness of Christ if you are truly saved. You want to dig into what that means? Today in Sunday school, we're going to begin that conversation. What is the place of works in salvation. What is the place of works for those who are justified? And what you'll see here is a series of musts. It says here in verse 49, I must be in my father's house. 
4.43 Jesus, of Luke, Jesus says, I must preach good news. 9.22, I must suffer many things. 13.33, I must go on my way. 19.5, I must stay at your house today. 24-7, I must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Why must he do this? Because that was the will of God. Why would he do anything else? He was fully delighting in doing the will of his Father because he and the Father were one. If you love me, says Jesus, you will keep my commandments. Why must I keep your commandments? Because you love me and you're being conformed to my image, says Jesus. Why would you not want to keep my commandments? Do you see where we're going here? It is only to the extent that you see God for who he truly is and yourself for who you are apart from Christ and in Christ that you will delight in doing the will of God for the glory of God and have the joy he sets before you. What is the good news of the gospel? It says you are born anew in Christ to be conformed to the image of Christ himself so that you might live as God truly and fully made you to live. But in order to do that, behold your God. Who is this Jesus guy? He's the strongest human being who ever lived. I mean, just, just, just stop and when you think of Jesus, you probably picture somebody who looks kind of like you culturally, right? Y'all, in your mind, majority of people here picture a Caucasian Jesus. A number of people here picture an African-American or, 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 or a variety of, of pigmentated Jesuses. You go to Asian countries, you look in their children's books, you have an Asian Jesus. You go to all over the world, Jesus becomes conformed to your image. Mm-mm. You're being conformed to the image of Christ. In reality, he looks like a Middle Eastern guy, probably about five foot six or seven. Very ordinary, but he can whoop you. Strongest guy who ever lived. Smartest human who ever walked on the planet. Einstein would look like a drooling idiot next to Jesus. Have you heard of my theory of relativity? No, I made the thing, bud. We, we saw Pluto. I made it. Guy is brilliant. The guy is strong. But the guy is more than just a guy. He is God. And he came to save you so that you could live with him forever. How strong will you be if you're in Christ? How wise will you be if you're in Christ? Why are we so hung up on, I I don't want to ever, ever die. I don't want to ever, ever leave this this wall. I don't, I, just just stop. I'm not looking forward to dying either. But listen to me. Do you know where we're going and what we will one day be? You want to, you want to work out in heaven? Jesus, put another 300 pounds on. Oh, this is nothing. Do you know how strong you will be? Do you know how smart you will be? Do you know how good you will feel? And do you know how none of that's really going to matter? Because do you know who you will see perfectly, fully, and truly for who he fully and truly is? God himself. And you will meet Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. He is eternally man God now. You will meet this guy who is God face to face with your resurrected eyes. You will gaze into his eyes. 
You can physically see him. You can physically touch him. And you can come before him because you, by grace through faith, are perfect before him. Now, what do we get to do with this? We get to live our lives for the glory of this God who is and who saved us, who makes us like him. We are not sons, we, 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 we are sons of the resurrection. We are children of God. And when Jesus says, listen to this, Jesus, how should we pray? Remember what he says? Our Father. Don't miss what just happened in these words here. You get to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only what? Well, what does that mean? Was, 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 is Jesus eternal? How is he God's son? See, we mess this up culturally. Jesus, huias there. Not technos, huias. Same kind, same essence, same nature. You want to have fun? You look at Hebrews 11, you can ask me about it. It's at real conversations. Abraham had a son named Isaac. And in Hebrews 11, he refers to Isaac, the text refers to Isaac as his only son. Is Isaac Abraham's only son? Is he his oldest son? Hmm. You guys can grab your study Bibles and a commentary and dig into that if you like. But look at what's going on in this text. Why were you looking for me, Mom? Didn't you know that I and the Father are one? And Mary couldn't grasp it. She grasps it now, but she couldn't grasp it then. My friends, our invitation, our joy, our, our, our calling in Christ is to see, understand, obey, and enjoy God. The battle is we all try to fit God in a box. God to me. I think that God is. The God I worship crushed the boxes. Even Mary had a box for Jesus. What were you thinking? I don't imagine she's talking to him now. Boy, what are you doing? Because mm -mm. now she sees him for who he truly is. And the reality is you and I all have Jesus in a box. And the only way to grow, I can't tell you the number of conversations I have with people where we'll have a disagreement on a doctrinal issue, a biblical issue. I'm never going to battle you over my personal opinion on anything. But I'm going to love you, and I hope you'll love me enough that if you can show one another from Scripture, which is the Word of God, who God truly is, that we'll have the joy of submitting to the truth of God so we can worship God according to who he is, first and second commandments. Because as we see him for who he truly is, we understand that when Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, that's not saying if you want to be saved, you better do what I say. It's saying, if you really know who I am, why would you not want to do what I command you to? I am a good and gracious and loving master who desires what's best for you and saved you to live as you were made for, my glory and your joy. It's the equivalent of this. Don't jump in hot lava, it hurts. Go sit by the beach and enjoy yourself. Why would you jump in the hot lava? Or as C.S. Lewis says, why would you go to the, to the slums 
when you've been saved to a villa at the seashore. Now, we're going to unpack the rest of Luke as we go ahead, but here's what you need to take out of this. This Jesus guy, I mean, Luke has labored this point. This isn't my fault that we've taken so long here. 80 verses in chapter 1. 52 verses in chapter 2. I mean, we might pick it up in chapter 3. I don't know, what do you think? 38 verses, we got a genealogy. We can just blow by the genealogy. They're a waste of space, right? Oh, I love genealogies. By the way, anyone want to volunteer in a couple weeks to read the genealogy for me? So I don't stumble. <laughs> but Luke has set this up for us before we can get into three, because we're going we're gonna to fast forward next week another 18 years to when Jesus is 30. And we're going to meet John the Baptist. Remember John in utero? Now you're going to see John in camel clothes. We're going to meet John, and we're going to see Jesus, the man, come on the stage. So he's shown us so far Jesus the infant, right? You will find a baby, an infant, wrapped in swaddling cloth. He showed us Jesus the child. He showed us Jesus the boy, technon, child. He's shown us Jesus the son, huias, same essence and nature of God. And now John will say, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. See, don't you want to just keep going and dig into chapter 3? Because it's all 1 and 2 just set up 3. That's what's so frustrating. I won't do that to you. I'd like you to come back next week. Squares are wrecked. By the way, side note, do you all get the square and rectangle thing? If this was me, no one else had a problem with it? Still to this day, my dad gives me this look every time this comes up in conversation. That poor man, he came home from work, he took his suit coat off, he laid it on the chair. That was one of the few times he sat down to help me with homework, you know? And he pulls out this little steno pad, and he's drawn in his, in his own, you know, with his little mechanical pencil he always had in there. Jonathan, look at this. A square is a rectangle. No, it's not. Shh, listen to me. A square is a, dad, shh, listen to me, okay? A rectangle is not a square. I get that, Dad. You give me that look. Okay. But a square is a rectangle. I don't get it. It was my senior year in college when I, I'm kidding. But I get it now. Who is Jesus? Do you know your shapes? Do you know your saving shapes? Jesus is God. Salvation comes through no one else but him. Okay? That's the basic shape of Jesus. But how well do you know who Jesus is? That is the joy and beauty of walking with Christ. Blow up your boxes. Worship the God who is. Behold the Lamb of God. Allow your joy to be complete as you understand the joy of living for his glory. Luke 3 next week, we're going to allow our minds to be continually blown as Luke presents to us this full-grown man who was God, who lived the perfect life we never could and came to die for sinners. Lord God, Father, we just praise you. The, the fact that we can call you Yahweh, Father, should blow our minds. The fact that you chose Holy Spirit to cause us to be born anew in Christ. Mm. The old has gone and the new has come. 
We have new hearts, new desires. Lord Jesus, we praise you, but we do it so pathetically. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to flee from sin and run to you, Lord Jesus. Lord God, help us to hear your voice, which we hear through your word, to submit to your truth, knowing that it is not so that we can be brainwashed by you, but rather so we can be brain cleansed. Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Lord Jesus, we still love the smell of sin. But I pray that as we grow in Christ's likeness, we would be increasingly disgusted and repulsed by it so that we might be drawn to you and live with you more intimately. And Lord, we acknowledge that we can only do that by your power. But we also acknowledge that for those of us who have trusted in Christ, that power is within us. Lord God, help us to see you for who you truly are. Help us to throw certain phrases of, out of our vocabulary when it comes to things to do with you in truth. Allow us to never say, I think, but rather to say, God says. Allow us to never use a phrase such as, to me, Jesus is, and replace it with, according to the word of God, Jesus is. And Lord, allow us to realize that Jesus didn't tell us to call you my father. He said our father because he saved a people to himself. That collectively we are the body of Christ. That on our own, we are not capable of living as you call us to. But through fellowship with one another, we are able to. So Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin a mighty work in our lives for those of us who are saved to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment, as well as the calling we've been saved to in Christ Jesus. That we would help one another flee sin, bear one another's burdens, and fulfill the law of Christ so we might see you well, walk with you well, and glorify you well. And Lord God, I pray for those who don't yet know you, either here or listening to the recording. I pray, Lord, that you would convict them deeply at a heart level that they are worshiping a false God that they've created in their image. That they are worshiping a God that is easily appeased by them. It's called an idol. But you are gracious and merciful and that you desire they would turn to you and be saved. Lord God, I pray that you would allow them to see Jesus for who he truly is. Jesus means God saves. That they were required to live a perfect life before you. That's your demand and command. And none of us can and none of us will. But we see in this text that Jesus lived that perfect life at every stage of life. And when we trust in him for forgiveness of sin, he places that righteousness upon us. So Lord, I pray for those who do not yet know you, that they would see who they are apart from you and who they can be in you and that they would turn to you and be saved. Lord God, help us to see you clearly to worship you accurately, and to bring glory to you fully as you've saved us too. Well, Father, as we come forward to the Lord's Supper, to the communion table, to the Passover complete celebration, might we be reminded today of a few things. Might we be reminded, Lord Jesus,
that you are fully man. As we partake of the, the bread, the cracker, we are reminded, Lord Jesus, that you lived the perfect life we never could. That, Father, when you command, you must be perfect as I am perfect, you mean it. And no one who is less than perfect can come before you. But you, Lord Jesus, lived the very life required of us that we never could. And by grace through faith, you've clothed, clothed us in righteousness. And not only clothed us in righteousness, you have made us positionally righteous before God as if we lived the very life you did. Lord, allow us to marvel at that and allow us to live in light of that for your glory. And Lord, as we take the cup, we're reminded that by your blood, our sins are forgiven. Lord Jesus, it's not that there was anything magical in your blood. It wasn't that you could just drip a drop and sin was forgiven. It represents you laying down your life. Lord, you took the wrath of the Father upon yourself that we were due so that you might take it in our place. That you who knew no sin became sin so that we who were sin might become the righteousness of God. Holy Spirit, strengthen us through this Lord's table. Strengthen us through communion and the, the unique spiritual fellowship we have with you through it. Remind us of who you are and who we are and who we will one day be so we might live our lives on this side of eternity well for your glory. Lord, there's a requirement to come to the table. You have to be worthy. And none of us are worthy on our own but we are made worthy by grace through faith as we trust in Christ alone for forgiveness. So Lord, for all here who've trusted in you, be it this very moment or be it 57 years ago, we rejoice that we are made worthy by you and we come forward for your name's sake. For those who haven't yet trusted in you, Lord, I pray that they would not take this lightly that they would realize they're not just missing an opportunity at a church to come forward for communion, but they're missing intimate fellowship with you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you would let them know that you desire them to have fellowship with you, and that's why you came. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your gospel. We thank you that there is no difference between any one of us in this room other than grace that as we go out into a lost world, there aren't dirty people and we are somehow better than them. We are just simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Lord Jesus, allow us to do that for your glory, remembering who we were, who we are, and how that came to be. In your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. I invite you to come forward down the center. Return on the outside, and I'll close with a prayer and a benediction. Please.